The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Um, join with me as always. We got BFC. Follow him on Twitter at BFC all day. Today is Friday, November 11th, and PC finally opens up the season against Ryder, securing a 66-65 victory on Banner Night. Um, BFC, where should we start? Should we just start with the the whole Banner? unveiling in general because i had boots on the ground i know you were watching from home i was actually watching from jackson mississippi so i knew that the deep south um yeah we could start there i think the other the the theme is we just continue to stay lucky and i I i want that to keep going all year but yeah we'll start with the uh we'll start with the banner yeah like i would like to be lucky but um you know maybe not a one point game all the time but uh that's fine but we'll, we'll we'll get to all that. So, um, the banner unveiling. Let me tell you, pretty undramatic. <laughs> yeah, it didn't seem uh, when they were showing on TV. It was just like a dropping of the banner, which is fine. Um, nothing like it didn't seem like the crowd went nuts when they panned to it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it. I think this might have been intentional by Cooley, to be honest with you. Um, you only have two guys that or three guys, excuse me, that actually contributed in minutes um, during last year season's campaign. You're bringing in eight new players. Um, so I think this might have been contrived by Cooley to just not make it a huge thing. Um, I went to the one where they dropped the banner for the Creighton for the tournament. That seemed like it was a bigger deal. Um so, I don't know. I just kind of felt it was a little underwhelming, to be honest with you. But that's fine. New team. So, yeah, I mean, it, it could be a, hey, this is our expectation and we shouldn't be celebrating this. I mean, you can, you know, you can throw a banner up there. That's great. But Cooley maybe setting the tone that, hey, this is a new year. This is a new team. And there's no time to dwell on the past. We need to get going because, as Ryder showed, they weren't impressed with banner night. They came out guns blazing and they they – fought a really tough game against us and we were lucky to get out of there with a win. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, and, and I, I, the weird thing is that I think the underwhelming kind of carried over into the game. Um, you know, they, they came out first two possessions defensively. I was like, Oh man, this team's locked in. Like, here we go. Big, big night ahead of us. And then it just kind of went south. Um, 
Ryder kept hitting open threes. I thought the three-point defense was terrible. Um, PC was getting absolutely demolished on the boards. And it's something that we've talked about um, going in, going into the season uh, with the game against AIC, the exhibition, you know, the, the rebounding numbers were a little underwhelming, uh, especially for a team that was a lot smaller than Providence. Same could be said about Ryder, but one thing you got to give Ryder credit for, they were known to be a good rebounding team. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they led the Mac in rebounding last year. And you can tell right off the bat, man, it's just five guys going after the ball all the time. <laughs> I think one of the things, like we've talked about how the new crop of players and how they got to get used to playing with each other. I also think, and it became, it was night and day from first half to second half. They also need to get used to playing under Cooley, which I know sounds like a weird thing to say, but Cooley emphasizes strong defense. And you saw a couple of the closeouts on, on three balls that they made. And, you know, they went 64% from three and they hit some tough threes, but a lot of the closeouts on defense, like they weren't, they, it was a very lackadaisical way of closing out their defender and giving them the chance to put up that three. Cooley's not going to accept that. Like, I know Hopkins was laid on a few. And overall, I think it's just going to take a lot for these players to be like, yeah, you know, it, Cooley puts a great recruiting pitch together when transfers come in. But when you play for him, he's a tough coach to play for. And I think that's why you saw, like, Carter acclimate, Carter acclimate seamlessly because he played for Frank Martin, who makes Cooley look like a choir boy. Justin Manaya jumped in and played pretty well from the jump. So it's going to take some time for folks like Moore, like Hopkins to lock, to get used to playing under Cooley. And that's expected because he does demand a lot of his players, not only offensively, but defensively too. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, so Providence finds themselves down by as many as 15, the first half. Um, and then, you know, going to the break that they find themselves down 10, come out second half, I believe they only gave up four points in the first 10 minutes of the second half. Like the defense put the clamps on and that's encouraging. I think they have dudes and they have a lot of potential to be a a pretty good defensive team. Um, You know, Devin Carter being, being the main man, he was just all over the court. Right. And then Clifton Mora, I thought, you know, struggled a little bit early, but then gave you good minutes in the second half. Um, showing his athleticism, his ability to block shots. Um, so, you know, I think this team does have the capability of being good defensively. The offense is a work in progress, I think. Um, but the one thing I will say and stress is that I like the fact that what their options gave them yeah. on, on Tuesday night. Like, think about this. Bryce Hopkins had a, a game-high 18 points. He was three of 10 from the floor. Um, and really quick, really quick, those three of 10, it wasn't like those were step back, hard jumpers. Like they were point blank shots. And like any other night, same exact look, that three of 10 goes from to six of 10 or seven of 10. Like they were not difficult shots. I think it was just nerves for him and kind of being thrust into the spotlight. And I don't mean to cut you off, but that's kind of my take on it. No, for sure. But but what I was going to say is, like, when I look at Hopkins, like, there's a reason why I was excited about this guy. The the fact that he can just face you up as a big man and just drive to the hoop and get to the the rim at will um, is a really great thing. Um, you know, the free throw shooting as a whole, um, they, they cleaned it up a little bit, if you could say that. They finished 60% of the night. But they got the line for 43 free throw attempts. PLC. Yep. 
And I don't think that was a hometown whistle thing either. I think that was just a constant ability by Carter, by, um, by Hopkins, um, to be able to, and then even crossball down low, um, to be able to get to the rim at will. Uh, it's encouraging. Yeah, it's very encouraging. Um, they're going to have to do better from the free throw line because I think like you and I talked, they're a physical team. They're going to create a lot of contact and kind of probably initiate contact. Honestly, Hopkins is a big boy. We know about Croswell. Um, Carter, I think last year may have been one of the leaders in the SEC in getting to the line, something along those lines. Um, no pun intended there. Uh, but they need to convert those because going 61% from the line we're going to be in tight games. We're going to lose games because of that. Like we need to get that up to 70, 75%. Um, and then to your point, the three point shooting 21%, that, that can't happen, but we've known like from years past, like three point shooting just isn't a, a great calling card for Cooley's teams. Yeah. Um, so the, the, I think another key thing to remember about the free throws is you're not always going to get 43 attempts. So I think that's even stresses, even more that, that you need to shoot from a better clip there. Um, Cause I mean, going 60% when you shoot for, uh, 43, not the end of the world because you got 26 points from the free throw line, you know? Um, so that, you know, definitely a concern, but uh, something that, that they'll have to fix in terms of the threes, you know, I thought they generated some good looks um, and we'll get to this in a moment in terms of, whether or not we should, if it's an overreaction, but, you know, guys like Bynum in cart uh, in uh, no lock just wasn't their night shooting the rock. Um, so, you know, I expect that to be better, but um, I, I didn't hate some of the looks that they got. And plus, if you remember one of those threes is Bryce Hopkins humming a hundred uh, mile per hour fastball at the shot clock. So that. <laughs> Not only was that not even close, there were still three seconds left on the shot clock or on the time timer. Got a little excited. Yeah, I think think everybody was ready to get to half and kind of reset, and he was just expediting it. Um, (laughs) Bynum, I mean, we could talk about Bynum a bit more. That was a night to forget for him. Um, The stats didn't look great, and he like really boneheaded play the last few final possessions. I don't know what the heck he was doing. That was like he was trying to give the game away, Um, but. The good thing with Bynum is his first step is still elite. He was getting by his man and not only getting to the rim, but also generating um, help, help side defense, which he could then kick it out to somebody like Locke who could shoot. So that was really a good sign. I don't foresee him having a lot of poor games like that from deep or just in general. Um, he took the care of the ball really well. So more negatives and positives for Bynum, but maybe that's because we have heightened expectations for him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so he finishes with five points, six rebounds, five assists, one of nine from the floor. I mean, th- th- that's really the big bugaboo there. I, I mean, and the thing that we got to kind of think about here is like with all these new pieces, how much is he trying to facilitate more than to, and then when it comes to his offense, maybe he's forcing it a little bit as opposed to kind of letting the offense come to him. And then it, it's going to be an interesting thing because I mean, they only had 10 assists as a team. And I think that's something that you can point to and be like, that's, that's gotta be better. And hopefully it gets better with more time on the court together. So yeah. I, is an overreaction to be worried about no, uh, about, uh, but 
No, not not at all. Or, um, so. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be you shouldn't be worried about him for the rest of the season. I think it was just a bad game. He's getting used to his players and he's getting used to a new role. He's kind of he's kind of the, the plan A on offense now, and that's not something that you know besides the toward stretch he went on last year. That's not something he's used to. Like this isn't like an apples for apples. But remember, Pipkins had trouble with that when he was thrust into the leading guard role, and it took him a while to get acclimated to it. I. I think the ramp up period is going to be much quicker for Bynum. Um, you know, first game rust. I'm, I'm, I was more cons- concerned with his lack of decision making in the last couple possessions than like his game as a whole. Cause that was like Makayash and Langford's status there where he's just like dribbling out for no reason. Yeah. I, I mean, they and end then, up building. And then he fouls then he fouls a, a three point shooter. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, they build a 10-point lead late in the game, and you think, all right, the, the early the early day panic. By the way, I went on the message boards yet last night, just poking around. Dude, no. Bad. Like, well, there, there's, were, just so, there's just so many. Up, they were just jumping off the, off the building like 10 minutes into the game. Like that, 10 actual minutes, not, not game minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, well, that's that's – message boards that's not unique to providence that's that's every single message board for every single team on on this planet um but yeah i if i've learned anything like i'm a nerd i love message boards if i've learned anything about message boards it's just you don't go on the message boards during a game like win or lose like if you win you can go on after because it's fun if if you lose a game you just wait like two days you just like let it cleanse itself yeah it's like you know if my if my professional sports team that, that I follow is in the playoffs and they lose the game, I'm not watching the sports on the next day. No, you, like, just, you don't listen to any of the podcasts. You no, normally listen no, to you're just like no. uh, I, I hate no, the local sports uh, uh, radio show. No, yeah. no, you will not be on. Uh, but yeah, so you know, let, let's kind of so province they, they built that lead uh, late, and then you're totally right. It was late game execution on offense that really made, made this thing a game because they were literally just dribbling out the clock. There wasn't a ton of movement going on. Um, there really wasn't a lot of action to get guys going and get guys good looks down the stretch. Um, so, you know, hopefully that's something they can fix, but end of the day, they end up with the win. Um, they, they have that situation late where, um, where they were up one and then they drive to the hoop, late shot clock, rebound up, just chaos, um, out of bounds call, goes to Ryder. They review it. I thought it was clearly off Providence or clearly off Ryder. And it was, however, shot clock violation on, on one of those shots. So Ryder ends up getting the ball back with 10 seconds left in the game. And I believe it was Powell. Their their number two guard there. Yeah, I forget um, who I forget who it was. It, was it wasn't Murray. That guy was good, by the way. Yeah, very uh, good. Yeah, you can be a bracket buster potentially. Um, but Powell dribbles up the court and then goes for like this hezzy like power move in his so people were saying like it was oh we slipped on a wet court. Oh, here we go again. Providence with the wet court. No, no, no. You watch the replay, it's clear as day. He goes for his move, and his his back heel just clips his other heel, and he just falls into a heap. Robbins gets the ball, throws it up in the air, 
clock runs out. That's your ball game. Province one and zero. So, yeah, I mean, we'll take it however we can. It's just like the the things that happened last year continue to flow over to this year, and I'm I'm alright with that given how last year went. Um, what are some like bigger picture things that maybe like even after one game you're like, oh, I was right about that, or I was wrong about that? Like, I I don't know if there's anything that jumps out to you. One of the things that I was wrong about is I think. Locke is going to bring more to the court than I anticipated. I thought he was just going to be a knockdown shooter. He actually has a dribble drive game, um, which we didn't have last year in Reeves. So I was wrong about him being a spot-up shooter. I think he's going to be a more diverse player than I anticipated. I don't know if you had anything that jumped out. Yeah. um, I'll go two things on the right side. I'll give myself credit. Uh, Bullish on Hopkins. I I think that's – Proven to be true after one, and it's one game, a lot can happen, but, um, you know, just his skill set is a problem offensively. Um, you know, I, I think he's going, going to be one of Providence's best players for sure. Um, and then Ed Crosswell, we talked about limited minutes and he was like four and four, five and five last year. Uh, in our preseason prediction article, I put, Crosswell will have uh, at least 10 double-doubles. He gets a double-double in this game, plays 25 minutes, goes uh, 13 points, 10 rebounds on five of seven shooting. Um, only had two fouls, which is a great sign. Um, but obviously that's something that you're going to have to monitor down the stretch. You know, I, I think I'm going to be right on that and then some at, at this point. I, you know, when last season ended, I thought to myself, okay, next year Crosswell's going to step in in and just his rebounding prowess like he's going to be a double double machine and then i kind of walked it back a little bit and said all right you'll at least have 10 but i I think encouraging stuff from ed crosswell his energy i I think helped them get back in the game um you know i I thought cooley going big was was the right move in terms of getting um getting Ryder in trouble in terms of PC being able to use their size mismatch advantage against Ryder. Um, so I'll go there. And then in terms of being wrong, which I'm kind of confused by Rafael Castro, four minutes. Yeah, that was, I think it was because the game was tight. Like, I think, I think in Cooley's ideal world, like he gives him burn and not blowouts, but when there's comfortable leads and then he slowly ramps him up for Biggie's play. Um, but because the game was tight and we were down, he just went to his trusted people. Because um, also Cooley said he was going to surprise. Like he on the Rothstein pod, he said he was going to be one of the biggest new face contributors. So to see him with that little time was interesting. But I think that was circumstantial. Um, yeah. I the, mean, other thing I, the other thing, like, we might already have our rotation figured out, which is wild. Because I know I was concerned about that. But we may have a seven-man rotation and then sprinkle in Castro and Pierre. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what they did in, in the opener. Castro, four minutes, two points, two boards, um, a block, and, you know, one-on-one from the floor is free throws. Oh, boy. Uh, he's got to work on those. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. He gets fouled, goes the line, and I'm I'm in my 234 section, which was, which was a, a nut house. Let, let me remind you. Shout out to those guys. Um, he goes to the line. I go, this could be a problem. 
<laughs> just because we've never seen him shoot free throws in a game yeah. before. Yeah. Uh, and and sure enough, he clanks both of them. Uh, and maybe that's why Ed pulled. I, I don't know, but I think you do need to play a little bit more because I, I agree. I, I think he can bring something to you. So then let's talk about it. Jaden Pierre, uh, his debut with Providence. He plays six minutes, goes over one from the floor, adds an assist, had a nice little rip away steal. Um, but yeah, you know, I kind of thought. I don't know what his role is this year. I, I, I'm, my my hope is that we can build him up as the season goes, similar to what you're saying about Castro. Yeah. Um. And by by late Big East play, he's he's you know also an X, X factor coming off the bench. Um, Dude, does he does he have like the thing I know? Does he have like freakishly long arms? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I that's the first thing that jumped out to me. Like that's that's one thing where like even if he's six one, six foot. You always it's like cornerbacks, like you look at their arm length. Dude, his arms are so long. He's going to in his career, he's going to get so many deflected passes, so many turnover, so many steals. Um, yeah, that's the first thing that jumped out to me. I think he'll he'll gradually get some more burn, but you know, Ryder came out ready to play and they like fully had to rely on like his quote unquote veterans. Um, and I, I don't fault him for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, you find yourself it, it, the game definitely didn't go to to the script that Ed Cooley thought it would. Um, but maybe, no. like, you and, I, you and I were talking, maybe it should have. Like, granted, Ryder wasn't that great last year. They did knock off Iona in the conference tourney. Yep. But they were under 500. But they returned four starters. And in the age of, like, the portal and, quote-unquote, free agency, like, returning four starters, like, we saw it last year. When you return all your starters, like, good things happen. <laughs> um I mean, that's what happened to Louisville in their opener against Bellarmine. Um, yeah, yeah I, mean, I think that's certainly real, something to look for early in the season. Yeah, um, that, that, it just shows how important it is to play the teams that are in your city. I think yeah. that's really – But I'm telling you, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. We, we, need, we need to play Brown. We need to play Bryant so Bryant doesn't have to drag a lowly D3 team by 100 points. Yeah. By the way, I don't sidebar on that for a second. I do not want to. I do not want to play Bryant. They dropped like one twenty on like one thirty. D three school, dude. I don't care. I care. That's like lower than high school. D (laughs) three. I'm not even joking, dude. I've played. I played pickup against many D three players, and those guys can still ball. Um, Sure, but I mean, come on, dude. Like, I thought, okay. Part, at first, I'm like, all right, here's the deal. NCA, Kempom, all this crap. You know, style points matter. I get it. But you're up like 56 or whatever the hell it was at halftime. And then you just keep going? Like, that was a bad look, dude. I, I'm sorry. What What do you expect from the guy who coached Peter Kiss? Yeah, uh, that's a good point. And then Grosso in the presser is like, well... I can't like not tell my guys to play hard. Yeah, but you could put in the walk in walk ons with ten minutes left, dude. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Is Bryant enemy number one for you now? No, no. I, you know, uh, I'll still root for them. Uh, hopefully, they they you know can can make their mark in the America East this year. They seem primed to to do so. Um, definitely going to give Vermont a run for their money. Um, but. I just thought that was in poor taste. I don't know. 
I, I agree. I agree. I agree. With it, you. it makes me sound like an old man, like yelling, but like, come on, dude. D three team, come on. And first of all, why are you playing a D three team? That's I, I I agree with that. And, and, and you know what their answer is? Well, what? nobody wants to play a bullshit. That's yeah. crazy. Like, yes, yes, the high majors probably don't want to play. We probably don't it, want it, to do, it doesn't do us any favors. Right. But it's only but, it's only a trap game. But my point is like you're telling me that there's like 300 teams in, in Division 1 college basketball. You're telling me you couldn't find anyone you had to play G3. There's not to mention there's D2. <laughs> we're, we're playing a high school team? Like that's what we're doing. And they have two more. They have two more. I, I actually I believe uh, it's either Framingham or Fitchburg State they're playing. I believe they're D2, but like, yeah. dude. And then they're playing in the NIA, like not even a actual Division One, Two, II, or Three. They're they're playing like a random ass team there too. Come on, man. You can schedule. Now here's my theory. I think he wanted all the all the big guns on the schedule, and then it got to the point where it ran out of time. That maybe. has to be it. Yeah, maybe. Um, all right, off my Brian tangent. Um, all right, so, so kind of let's just wrap up the game. Um, let's go through impressions of of the guys that that had minutes. We are, we already covered Castro and, and Pierre, and obviously we've touched on Hopkins, Locke, Carter, Bynum, but let's go through it. Um, Hopkins, we can skip because we've so more. So we'll go with, yeah. start with more. Maybe I think yeah. More yeah. had a rough. More had a rough start. Like he let like five rebounds slip through his hands, and the initial impression was like he was just going to be a, honestly like a big body that like got us minutes. But you know, once he settled in, he was a rim protect- protector unlike anything we've had in a while. Like, who's the last person we, like DeRozier's? I'm like, yeah. I'm not even kidding. Is it DeRozier? Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah. He. He covered up so many plays where, like, our guards, who I thought our guards played great defensively, but there were times where our guards got beat. And in the past, like, Croswell couldn't block anything. Watson, for his size, couldn't block shots for whatever reason, unless he was, like, help side or weak side. Um, He just faced up, went man-to-man, and blocked their shots. He had four block shots, and he altered so many more. So I think, he like, he may, like, push for, like, serious, serious minutes moving forward because – He's going to help out defensively, and we know that's what Cooley loves. Like, Cooley loves a good defense. He's going to help out there. He needs to continue to secure rebounds and get putbacks and, like, easy buckets, like the one he had uh, with Hopkins when he dished it to him and he had the easy lay-in. So, yeah, I was initially, like, uh, this guy's who I thought he was, like, a big stiff, and then he, like, completely altered my view of him throughout the rest of the game. So, I think he's – That's growth out of you, BFC. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Because I no, won't get into one, details, one of us, guys, one of us, he on this, was one of us on this podcast can admit when they're wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, what, how, like, how can you admit you're wrong when you're never wrong? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, no, no, I'm wrong plenty. Um, uh, we, we know. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I thought Clifton Moore showed his skill set. Once he settled in, he showed his skill set, the ability to run, uh, run the floor. Um, in you know, face up and get to the hoop, and then the 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 rim protection, obviously, and then the occasional three pointer, baby. What I tell you, it's got a decent shot, man. It, it, and you know what? That was that was 
the most ridiculous sequence of the game. He takes an open three for the lead. Clank gets right back. He gets right back at it. Uh, like top of the, the perimeter. Let's it fly again this time. Bang. Three-pointer. Crowd's going nuts. He's got it in his bag, BOC. Told you. Yeah, and maybe he turn, maybe he turns into Noah Horkler two dot like you said. I don't, I don't know. I'm telling you, I think but, he's dude, got. I, but if he misses, by the way, like that second three was very important for him because if he like clanked that second three, Cooley would have said no more threes the rest of the season. Like he would just been like, "You're done." Sorry. <laughs> possibly, very possible. Um, all right, let's go to the other guy on the bench. Um, Breed. I I loved um, Breed like Breed. Maybe I'll just accept that he won't ever will never be an offensive weapon, but defensively, back, yeah. defensively he was like glue. Yep. Um yep. got a few hand check calls, which I thought were good calls. Um, but he is was a pest. So like you start to think about like where Cooley can exploit some folks, like put a lineup in with Carter and Breed. And if you don't have a strong point guard or strong, you know, strong backcourt, they're going to pick their pockets all day. Like like Carter got all that accolades with like his five steals and rightly so Breed was playing just as good of defense like he was he he really impressed me and it's tough to stay engaged when you're a junior and you're on the bench and you're relegated to the bench and like there's transfers that come in and take a starting spot but he's he's like a consummate pro man he just jumped in and like did his job and did I, I was very impressed with him and the limited minutes he had yeah so he plays 12 minutes only has one point but two rebounds uh no steals but but I mean, that doesn't tell the story. I, I do agree with you that his defense was critical. Shout out to my buddy O'Rourke, actually. Texted during the game late. He was like, we need Breed back in the game for his defense. Yeah. Sure enough, Cooley put him back in. Um, so, you know, to me, I, I kind of look at it like this. Anything that we get from offense on him now is just, you know, change found in your pocket. Um, but it's nice that – I don't think we're going to have to lean on him to deliver point-wise, like at all. Whereas last year I was like, damn, if only Alan Breed was as good as he was his freshman year, that could have gone a long way. And and he went through a shooting slump last year. This year I feel like we have more weapons, especially in the backcourt, where I'm totally fine with him being a defensive stopper off the bench. And whatever. And, hey, if he gets out of his shooting funk, fantastic. And and you know he he does bury free throws, so we know we have that going for him. Yep, for sure. All right, so so we we talked about uh, Ed Crosswell. We actually talked about him. Let's get to law uh, to De- Devin Carter though. Um, we've talked about some of the stuff he does. He was all over the court. Nine points, seven rebounds, one assist, those five steals, and a block. Um, he was all over the place. Only had two turnovers, which is I think is a good thing, because especially for a guy like him, who's such a downhill player, um, you know, it, it could be easy to, to get turnovers. But uh, to, to only have two was solid. Um, yeah, I just love his the fact that he's got good defensive ability, coupled with the fact he can get to the line. It's like it's kind of like you merged um, Durham and Manat. Into one play, a, su- a super, a superhuman. Yeah, um, no, I agree, I agree with you. Like, he does have the ability to get to the rim. He's going to shoot a lot of free throws, um, and he's great defensively. Like, man, like 
I, I think we're at the point where Frank Martin says, hey, a player's transferring out of my program. Cool. He's just like, yeah, just give him to me. We'll take yeah. him and we'll find a spot for him. Yeah, Fanta actually had a good nugget because I rewatched the game like a psycho uh, when I got home. Um, that was not a smart idea. I was pretty tired the next day. Um, but yeah, Fanta had a nice little nugget about that. That, that cool. was like, I'll, I'll take anyone <laughs> that plays for Frank Martin. It's true, dude. Like he coaches super hard. He cares about his players and um, – a lot of times they may be transferring out, not because of like they're unhappy. It's just they're trying to find a different spot. Um, so yeah, Carter was everything and more. Um, I think his game is going to be not necessarily jump shooting. It's going to be attacking the rim, getting to the line, and transition buckets. But he uh, he seems to have that calm and cool demeanor throughout the game. Um, he's going to be an opponent's worst nightmare. Like he's, I could already tell him and Croswell are going to be the people that get under people's skin a lot. Like he's yeah. going to be the one that instigates a lot of like scuffles and fights. You can just tell like, and you need those players. Like I, I say that in a positive way. Uh, oh, I know you do. Cause it's not, I know you like a guy that will get up in somebody's jersey. You know? yeah. uh, so right, let's shift to Noah Locke. He's got, he has 10 points, three of 11 from the floor, two of eight from three, two of two from the line. Um, he gave you a steal as well. Only turned it over once. Um, Locke is, you know, it, obviously we only got 15 points combined from Bonham and Locke. And I, I told you I'm excited about the potential of that backcourt. I still am. Um, you know, I, I expect Locke to shoot better than he did. And actually, if you remember, one of his makes was kind of a bad shot by him. It was like a possession where he just got the ball and an instant, like he didn't, like there was no other passes. He got the ball and just ripped. Like just stood, in front. but he can hit that, which is which is big. But um, but yeah, I, I think I think that we'll get more out of them down the line here. I'm not too overtly concerned. Um, but yeah, man, PC gets the win. That's all that matters. I, I don't care that we dropped ten in Kemp Bomb. I uh, I actually love it. I, I I want us to keep dropping and keep winning, but we keep dropping. You don't, you don't want that. I I absolutely do. I want us to keep winning. I want us to go undefeated, but be 200 in Ken Palm. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, but, I mean, at least the good thing from a Ken Palm perspective, and like you're talking resume, at least Providence started a little higher last year, whereas in years past it was like you had to climb. Yeah. No, I know. It, um, it's, a, it's a tool of many tools, but, uh, you know, we've griped a lot about how the the margin in which you win shouldn't dictate how much you fluctuate, but whatever. Yeah. So let's get into, as we wrap this thing up, let's quickly preview the Northeastern game. Um, we'll have an article up probably the morning we release this podcast. So look, be on the lookout for that. Um, so I did some digging. First of all, the lack of coverage on some of these lower teams is astonishing. I couldn't find anything uh, on on BU uh, Northeastern. The AP article was like five sentences and complete nothing. I have a weird theory that the AP has bots just writing their articles at this point and just spit out the stats. No, because that's all, all it is. Yeah, it's literally no matter where you look, it's all the same. Yeah. Anywho, I was able to find some stuff. Uh, Northeastern loses to BU. Um, they. Let's see, 
their one guy, their one guy Telfer was a one man wrecking crew, but yes. he was the only, he was the only one who really did anything. Yeah. So, so they lose 72, 70 or 63 to BU. Um, and in that game, a few things are standing out to me. One, 19 turnovers. That Devin Carter should help. Maybe he gets eight steals. <laughs> yeah. Eight, nine, maybe 10. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, that should be music to his ears. And I, I think Providence's backcourt should be able to really overwhelm these guys. Um, one thing I don't love was, and good for Northeastern, Apparently they got down pretty big in that game and then made it close. And then late, it was just all BU finishing the game. Um, so, you know, it's another team that's not going to lay down. So province shouldn't take them lightly. Um, but yes, the, the main man you need to know about is uh, Jamel Tolfert yep. from Canada. Six, seven guard. Pretty impressive for, for a team like Northeastern. Again, six, seven guard. Yeah. This guy's the real deal. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll be number one in a Cooley scouting report. And I think the only way this game is interesting is if this guy has a Teddy Allen type game. You know, remember Teddy Allen that one yeah. time? Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. It was like UConn just had to stop one guy and like, yeah. You went off for like 35 points. Yeah. Yep. That was cool. That was very cool. <laughs> Um, you see, by the way, you see UConn, the, the fan attendance was pretty abysmal in their first game. I did see that. I did happen to see that. Um, I thought ours was pretty good. I kind of wish it was like jam jam packed. Um, but it was a good number. I, the, the, again, I'm, I think our crowd is fantastic. I think we have one of the best student sections in in the country, quite frankly. And just in general, I think the locals supported a lot of great season ticket holders. Even if it's the opening game of the season, it is rider. So, like, the casuals aren't necessarily going to attend that. Yeah, and that's the big thing. I, I, I think now the fact you have a Sweet 16 season, you're getting more people to come out for an opponent like Ryder. Whereas in years past, people probably, like, you know, maybe maybe it's you get 20% less than yeah. you had in the building opening night. I'll be interesting to see Saturday, dude. Um, I'm going, I know if a few of my season buddies are, are going, um, what is it? 8 PM, right? Yeah. So it's an 8 PM game. You can go out, you know, get some dinner at Fed Hill, make a night of it. You know, um, that's, that's my be, plan at least. That's going to be a, that's going to be a fun night. Yeah. It sure will be. Uh, hopefully Providence can, uh, make this one a little less like, I was like, Oh my God, I'm back in like, I'm having heart palpitations. Where uh, where are you guys for the people listening? Where are you guys going to be pre gaming after dinner? Federal Hill Trinity Pub. Probably that, that's that's my go to. Um, you know, as I've mentioned in the past, I'm part of the Mug Club. Um, typically, the basement is where where we go post game. Um, and nothing like a nice beer and Jaws on the tele- on the tiny TV they have down there. Uh-huh. Dude, they uh, they gotta they gotta do better than that. Maybe it's part of the allure. I guess it is, but like, it'd be nice to have like a few like nice sizable TVs down there. Well, here here's the problem. It's a hipster bar that's yeah. located right next to the duck. Like, I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if I if I was owning that place, 
those TVs would have been destroyed, like like office space style. I would have just <laughs> destroyed all of them and um, have a ton of big screens with sports on them. Um, no offense to Jaws. I love Jaws. Great film. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, so also, let's hit, first of all, before we bring this up, let's just hit quick recruiting note um, before we wrap finally here. But two of the three SoCal Academy commitments committed to the province or have signed their, their NLIs. Um, Garway Duall, not one of them. There's rumors that he's waiting for the, the spring signing period. There's also rumors that he could still, still do it. And as of this recording, we, we got like a week left, uh, six days to be exact. Um, so something worth monitoring. But I know a lot of people are getting worked up about it. Obviously, if a guy's waiting, you're like, okay, why is he waiting? Right? Like, and here's a guy that's recruiting stock kind of came out of nowhere and he's going up in boards and like, yeah, I get having the thought, okay, someone else is coming after him. But, yeah. but Julius on her pod said he was all in on Providence. Um, you know, he's a guy that, until he says, my recruitment is open. Like, if he gives you the re- recruitment's open, but but Providence is still my number one choice, uh, we're, we're screwed. We're done. It's not happening. Yeah. I mean, but until he does that, I'm not going to worry, man. I think he is committed to Providence College. Well, I, I don't think anybody should worry because, one, the program's in such a great place where this isn't like years past where he could hold us hostage because we're like, oh, my God, he's a top 50, top 75 recruit. Like, we need to land him for the trajectory of our program. Our program's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll win with him or win without him. Um, would he be an add to the, to the program? Absolutely. I think what you do, like, again, it depends on what he does in the early signing period. Maybe he signs in this period. But what you need to do if you're Cooley is you say, hey, we'd love to have you. You'll always have a spot. But if you're not going to sign now, we're going to recruit somebody for your position. And if they want to come here, we're going to allow them to come here and commit here. Because he's had his chance to cement his spot. And yes, there'll be a spot for him, regardless of if he signs now or the spring period. But there's like we passed on uh, Damari Jr., who wanted to come here because we had Dual, and Damari would have been a great fit here. So it's, um, it's, I think you have a candid conversation and say, hey, I thought you were going to sign here. I understand if you want to look at other options or whatever it may be, because that's what it is. Like that, that's the only reason why he wouldn't sign in the early signing period. Like he, call a spade a spade. So you say, listen, we'll have a spot for you that we want you. We still want you, but we're going to actively recruit some other people as well. And if they want to join, we're going to give them the option to commit. Yeah. Uh, we've had our disagreements about that. Uh, but you I'm know, not- obviously keep looking. I, I'm not, I'm not going to be naive, but same time. I, I mean, he says he's committed until he says something other than the fact that he is committed to problems college. Uh, I'm going to keep a positive outlook on this. Yeah, I mean, it. it's good to have a commit that's a, a four-star recruit, top 100 player. Um, but there's a reason why he's not signing in the early signing period. He doesn't – he's not he's – yeah, but, but we don't know that reason. I, I know you're assuming the reason. That, no, no, we don't. The like, no, well, that's the likely reason, probably. But you don't know for sure what's going on. What 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 could be what's a what's a reason why he would want to sign in the spring instead of right now? Honestly, 
Yeah, I mean, you got me there. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, obviously, it, it points to other schools maybe calling him and him maybe being like, should I listen? I get that. And he committed fast, so I totally get it. Talk about a guy similarly. Epps, right? Jaden Epps. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, th- that's what happened with him. Um, I, I know so, it is. So, you know, I get where you're coming from, but I, I'm just not going to be – overtly concerned until until he says my recruitment's open province is my number one choice because you know that's bullshit and you know that he won't be going to province at that point but it, it is, he says that it is funny that like he went from hey i'm not signing today to then you see like on twitter like oh he's still thinking about signing in the early signing right. period cool he definitely gave him a ring and it was like a come to jesus moment like make up your mind now because if not we'll I, I, again i'm Assuming, but I have a feeling there was a very not so pleasant conversation that happened. All right. Well, something to monitor uh, throughout the season. But by, by the way, let's not let's not let it cloak the fact that the two signings are fantastic signings and are like let's let's put a ball on this and say like, hey, Fielder signing is exactly what we need for this team. Like a stretch four who can knock down threes, he can rebound, he can handle. Um, Santoro's a great wing who is. It, is a position and a body that we need. So those are two massive signings and it still keeps the pipeline to Southern Cal Academy there. So yes, it, the dual, uh, dual new, no, uh, news is frustrating, but he's probably in terms of the position, he's probably the least important because we have a plethora of guards. Like we can always add great players, but we needed big men and wings and we got two of those. So it's in and of itself still a great class. Yeah, for sure. I think he'll be joining that class, though. Also, I'm not worried. Like, honestly, if he decommits tomorrow, I'm not. I, I'd rather just wait for the transfer portal, to be honest with you. Because, like. You, you, owe me, you owe me many First of all, would you rather you have a guy like Garvey? If that happens. What's that? You owe me many beers if that happens. Because I've, I've said from the start I'm skeptical about this one. I, I know you. Uh. Yeah, maybe we can get you down here. We'll see. <laughs> um, so, oh, I kind of lost my train of thought, BOC. Um, yeah, no, so what I'm saying is, like, I would rather hit the portal because hey, who would you rather have, a Garway Dual, or would you rather have Devin Carter in uh, Noah Luck? <laughs> uh, Dual. Interesting. Give me the guys that produce already in college. That's my take on it these days. But, but hey. yeah, yeah, fair enough. I I think do all though. Like I'm pointing cold water on it, but he's a special talent. I agree with you. I definitely agree. I, I just you know if we can get a portal guy too. Yeah, play. Let's just get all of them. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So one final note here before we get out of here. We finally have merch, people. Uh, yes, the rumors are true. We have T-shirts for the podcast. Um, you know, we're thinking that we'll do some sort of. So, first of all, BOC sent me mine. Uh, he's got the bulk of them. He sent me mine. I put it on. It looked fantastic. Um, I think we will be doing some sort of giveaway slash. You know, enter yourself in if you retweet like whatever or maybe podcast more to come on that stuff but we will have them on the site 
And you can catch the the crier at the amp on Saturday sporting his province crier shirt. So you can get a sneak peek at, at the merch and uh soon we'll we'll have uh we'll have them on the site for you to buy. And I mean at this point this is a trial run here. We do have a limited supply, but we'll see if 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 the province crier t-shirts are the new fashion trend this year, then uh we'll, we'll be getting more. So yeah, we're we're pumped about it. And I think it's uh it's definitely not a money-making endeavor. It's to spread the brand and we know we have a lot of really good followers and listeners and we'd be stoked to get people to buy those and uh wear them around Providence. That'd be quite a statement there. For sure. All right. Well, that wraps another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. We will be on next week as we will, you know, have recaps of of Northeastern and then depending on when we record, we'll have to find out. But we're getting close to Mohegan, BOC, my Mohegan trip, which I will well document, uh, including my losings at, at the card tables. Uh, <laughs> so excited to, to preview that. College basketball is back. The game so far around the country haven't been fantastic, uh, but we're warming up. And once Thanksgiving week hits, man, that's when shit really hits the fan. Oh, yeah. Trips. So I'm excited. Oh, yeah. All right. That's it. See you later, Fire Dump. See you guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke, when I'm way up on a hoop, eh? Cross over, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, eh? Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, eh? Fall down, bounce back like M.A. Ho, eh? I'm the alpha dog, Diallo. They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, eh Cross over, I might throw the you. But they sleeping on me, well let's take them back to school Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah